When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The home of the Red Sox. 93.7 WEIFM and HD1. Lawrence, Boston. Brought to you by DuckDuckGo. Search and browse more privately. Download the free DuckDuckGo app today. We're always live on the free Odyssey app. It's KJ Carson on WEEI. WEEI. If you're saying overall, the Patriots having all that cap space and not surrounding Mac Jones with enough talent to succeed is the final straw, then then yeah, that could be the final straw. I'll say this too. Robert Kraft made it really clear that he was the impetus behind Bill O'Brien's hire. And I think that reading between the lines on that, I don't know if Bill O'Brien would be hired here if it was left entirely up to Bill Belichick. So we have chips being pushed continually into the middle of the table by Robert Kraft, whether it be pointing out the playoff losses, pointing out the draft um, losses or misses. Um, his real irritation that really has never been aired that Tom Brady walked out and won a Super Bowl in Tampa when the Patriots were of a mind that he wasn't worth going more than year to year with. All of those together have him very much going, Bill, what are we doing? Uh-oh. When problems arise, huh? KJ, along with my man John Lyons here on WEEI. That's Tommy Curran from earlier this week here on WEEI saying, look, there's a little bit of wind behind the sails of what is Belichick doing? Now, John, I think this stems from DeAndre Hopkins walking in the building and walking out of the building. But I'm a firm believer that's because Bill O'Brien was standing in that same building. But where do you do you think that really there's a energy for Belichick to eventually be pushed out? Not yet. I think there's pressure, but I think because and you could say, oh, it's ancient history, but because he won six Super Bowls here, and because two years ago with a competent offensive coordinator, they were a playoff team with a rookie quarterback. I think it would take another losing season this year, and then he would actually be on the hot seat. I just don't think he's there yet, and I wonder if Kraft would even go as far as to fire him a year from now. I just I don't know if I see that. And and, and look, Kraft has made some pointed comments over the last couple of years. Last year at the owners' meetings in the spring of 2022, yeah. he even said, oh, Belichick has kind of earned the right to assemble his staff and We'll see how it goes. There's a very lukewarm endorsement because in the past, what did he say? We have the best coach in the NFL. We have the best coaching staff in the NFL. He had said that repeatedly over the years, and then a very lukewarm endorsement. Obviously, not only does the offensive situation last year go really poorly, a, a giant step back from 2021, their special team situation was a disaster. Another 
coaching situation, if you will, that you had a great special teams coach coaching your quarterbacks the last year while your special teams and your offense were both bad. So I think there is a frustration there. And I think Tommy Curran's point about would Bill O'Brien be here if if Bill had his own way completely and Robert wasn't involved? Look, I think they would have an offensive coordinator that's not Matt Patricia or Joe Judge. I 100% believe that. But I think the Bill O'Brien thing was a craft saying, hey, we like this guy, you know, we want this guy. And then Bill said, yeah, well, he's worked well here before and we'll hire him. So I mean, I don't think Bill was anti-O'Brien. I think he wanted Bill O'Brien to some extent and he likes the hire and they're going to be a good offense this year. However, I think if Bill completely had his own way, yeah, there would be a new offensive coordinator, but I don't know if it would be Bill O'Brien. I, I do think there was push there from ownership for a guy that was very successful here in the past as see, a coordinator. See, I don't buy that narrative that Bill didn't want to bring back one of his own guys, right? I, I, like I say, Bill has a crew, right? And crew looks out for crew. That's why Matt Patricia never really got fired. That's why Joe Judge is still on the staff. Because in a crisis, when, you know, when... Um, he brought back Josh McDaniels before, jo- too, like he's done this yeah. before, right? Well, when Josh McDaniels left and it felt like there wasn't a plan there, I felt like, okay, he stepped to his own crew versus bringing someone in from the outside, which could then potentially, I think, really agitate any type of craft uh, Belichick situation that's going on. I, I honestly thought that if, if Belichick could have gotten Bill O'Brien into the team four games, with four or five games left in December of last year, he would have done it. I just don't think it was feasible. Maybe some contract things with Bill O'Brien still at Alabama. You remember the comments I think that came from Nick Saban saying, "Well, no, he's just not going to. He's just not going to get up and leave." So I don't think it's a situation where um, Bill O'Brien wasn't the target by because Belichick has hired, hired the guy before. So I I think what's really at play is. There's a sector of people, and I don't know who specifically they are. It could be more on the media side, that kind of want to see the Belichick story end in a plane crash with Burns at the end because of what things and how things went down with Tom Brady. You know, people will always bring up, well, you know, Brady only won at 25 a year, and you look at what that is now and compare to what Daniel Jones gets right now, and Brady's just now leaving the league, how bad that looks, but at the same time, Kraft had to say had to say it was okay. Belichick said it was okay to let him go. So clearly they were on the same page at that time from a business perspective. It just looks worse now because of things that have happened since then with the team virtually not not being a playoff team, right? And the one year they went, they were in and out in Buffalo, and it hasn't really even been at that level since. So I think it's still at that point where the only way Belichick goes is by him saying goodbye. Not going back and asking what happened or why did you get let go, I, you know. You're, you're saying like, okay, of, of 23 years of all the things that have occurred, this is what we're going to hang everything on. What's going on right now when you don't have a roster that's built really to compete? You don't have free agents that really want to run and come here now. Defensively, they they're still a comparable team, but this is a game where quarterbacks and offense and and special special players on the offensive side of the ball are winning games. So I don't think that's a fault of Belichick per se as much as it is, is there a culture that exists just about New England to free agents that say, 
we're not coming here. And I think that's why DeAndre Hopkins saying no, even though he was here, was so soul-crushing for so many fans because that's really the first big-name receiver since Antonio Brown stayed at, you know, at, at, Bill's, uh, you know, at, uh, at Brady's house for a week that's been here that's, that's an all-pro receiver, and, and he said no to here. Yeah, but I, I think the biggest reason DeAndre Hopkins said no is they offered him less money, and, and, and we can say... No, nah, they offered they him had, Bill O'Brien to be in that room. Yeah, that's what that was. Well, yeah, that may have played a role, too, but I, I think... Look, this is a situation, and and I agree with you. Like, I I think there is a segment of people that just want them to fail, and I think that's ridiculous in itself. But I do think you're right. There is a segment of that where I think the frustration, if there's frustration from Kraft, which I do think there is a little bit because, look, Kraft's used to being the big dog in the owner's room, winning Super Bowls all the time, or always in – I mean, would they go to eight straight AFC championship games? He's used – and it's a little bit different now, and I think – the frustration is, and you mentioned the Brady contract, and we don't have to relitigate the whole thing, but 2017, he throws for 500 yards in the Super Bowl, and they lowball him on a contract right after that. Then 2018, he wins the Super Bowl, they lowball him on a contract right after that. 2019, they make the playoffs with a not great roster, and they don't offer him the two year, $50 million that he wants. So it wasn't just like a 2019 decision and a 2019 mistake, it was a multi year hey, this is the way we're going, and they were wrong, obviously, but I think that coupled with they had Rob Gronkowski at tight end, the best tight end ever, well, and then well, they didn't well, have a succession well, well, let's, plan. Let's Same go back with to Josh the Brady. McDaniels. Well, here's the thing, John. Let's go back to the Brady thing is all the years that Brady moved money around to make things happen, management presented it, he took it. You can't expect suddenly management to do you a solid because you've looked out for them in the past. That's that's where the business aspect comes in, and I, and I and I would I would hope that people would understand that in a business perspective, if you feel like this person is constantly giving you discounts and discounts and discounts, that when they finally ask for their number, you're going to argue, well, that's too much. Despite what's coming down the market, despite what's currently going on, despite with virtually no talent around the guy, he was still able to get the team to the Super Bowl. So part of it, I think, is just kind of like, hey. How business plays out is because there's all look, there's going to be New England Patriots franchise as long as there's football going on for public consumption, right? So players are going to come in. I mean, there's a set of people that remember when when you couldn't get a Patriots quarterback from the from a corner of a street to play quality football. That's how bad it was at one time. But now you have a whole generation of people that have only known one guy, and it's such a unicorn situation. I'm here to say, hey, the unicorn situation has been gone, and these are the things that you go through right after. It's going to be some pains. It's going to be a Mac Jones saying, look, this is do or die year right now because next year, if you don't prove in year three that you can get it done, in year four they're going to tell you there's no fifth-year option. And now do you look at potentially another quarterback down the line? So, again, you would probably want to have some stability. Would you want to have Belichick gone Mac Jones eventually gone, and then trying to figure out which way the team goes. Do you think the team looks better or, or does better at that regard? Yeah, and I think that's where last year's issues offensively, especially coaching, really and, – and I agree. Like, I, I would not make a change at all, but I think that's where it kind of leaves you some ambiguity because you had a rookie year Mac Jones – Went ten and seven, made the playoffs. I know they got blasted in the playoffs, but he was there through for thirty eight hundred yards. He had and, a great running game, and through long stretches of that year, though, he looked like the rookie of the year. They were nine and four, and they were the one seed in late November. And then last year, 
the entire offensive operation takes a big step back. Mac Jones also, he's not innocent in this. He didn't play well. He turned the ball over way too much. He had issues working with coaches. So now you go into this pivotal third year, and look, I think Mac Jones is going to be a lot better. I think the team is going to be a lot better. But does Mac Jones being better, how many wins does that translate into? Does that get you from eight and nine to nine and eight and ten and seven in the loaded AFC? It could. But I think this is the year where if you're looking at a fifth-year option decision on Mac Jones, I think if he has a good year this year, you look at 2022 as the aberration and you say, oh, he had a good rookie year with McDaniels. You got him another competent offensive coordinator in 2023. He was good again. Fifth-year option, no-brainer. I think if Mac Jones doesn't play well, though, then it's really like, okay, what do we really make of 2022? Because, yes, you make the coaching a Caleb Williams. You make yeah, a right, Caleb because Williams. the coaching situation wasn't good enough, but then he's not good the next year. So I think it really is a pivotal year for a guy that I think has the tools to be a maybe not elite top three franchise quarterback, but that franchise quarterback, if you will, on the level of a Dak Prescott, maybe a top six or seven guy that you can win in the playoffs with, but he's not going to carry you like a Joe Burrow or a Josh Allen or a Patrick Mahomes. Well, you know, I have thoughts on what you just said there right there. We'll go to break here. 617-779-7937, text line 37937. KJ, along with John Lyons, talking Patriots, get in the conversation. Plus, we're about an hour away from pregame for the Red Sox second game today against the Mets. Uh, 617-779-7937. It's time to trend with Stiz. The Greg Hill Show, weekdays 6 to 10. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. The Red Sox had their first of a three-game series against the Mets delayed last night due to some wild weather. Numerous videos have flooded social media showing fans at Fenway Park scrambling to stay dry. The Red Sox made up last night's game earlier this afternoon, but unfortunately they couldn't get the job done. They lost to the Mets 5-4. to The two teams will play again tonight. First pitch from Fenway at 7-10. Don't forget, you can catch all the action right here on the Shaw's and Star Market, WEEI Red Sox Network. Shaw's perfecting the art of fresh. My guy Cooper Boardman will get you ready for the game with the Mass Mutual pregame show starting at 6-10. Mass Mutual Insurance Planning Investments. Jalen Brown is now back from an overseas trip in Spain, and according to Gary Washburn, the two sides are expected to renew discussions on what could be the richest contract in NBA history next week. And the Patriots added three names to the physically unable to perform list via the league's wire on Friday night as the team prepares to open training camp next week. Veteran offensive lineman Michael Onwenu tops the list as well as special teamer Cody Davis and rookie defenseman, defensive lineman Justice Tavai. I'm Stiz. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. More with KJ after this. When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. 
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We're back. It's KJ Carson on WEEI. Download the Odyssey app and listen on demand anytime. But as I thought about Cook more and more, I started to think, damn. Say they gave Dalvin Cook $5 million in real money and then say $2.5 million in incentives. Does that mean Ramondre Stevenson is sitting there going, yeah, well, I'm younger. I've been here. I'm in the system. Does he start to think, well, that makes me an $8 million player with incentives or something like that? And would that be a mental block for Belichick? Whereas, oh, Zeke Elliott doesn't have a job and he doesn't want to take the league minimum from uh, the Cowboys. Fine, I'll give him a million and a half or I'll give playoff Lenny $2 million. It doesn't overturn the apple cart. I wonder if a contract for Cook might be too big, but not so big that the Patriots wouldn't do it, but because of the effects it would have on See, I, I don't know if on their future. Women, KJ, WEEI, got John Lyons in here with me. Before we get back into the Patriots talk, I mentioned a little bit about Mac Jones. That's Gresh talking about Dalvin Cook coming to the Patriots. We'll get to that in a second and how Dalvin Cook's number is probably changing as we speak. So, John, this is like your second time on the air? Correct. My second time, first time with you, but second time here on EEI. Well, it's always special, and it's the first time with me here at the station. Of course. There's, there's a few around the building that can tell you that. But, you know, like, it's almost like, we could, look, we've got a new Playboy bunny here, right, though. But um, so we're, just give us a little background of you real quick before we get into it. So wait, people are like, who is this John Lyons guy on there? Yeah, sure. So I also write and work for the New England Football Journal, cover the Patriots uh, columns for them, uh, do sports map radio as well, have my own podcast on the Believe Network. I've spent seven years coaching uh, football at Bridgewater State University, Go Bears. Yeah, so uh, kind of got a bit of a smorgasbord of experience, if you will. Uh, But yeah, excited to be with you, KJ, here. Well, Well, welcome to the family, John, and I am the black sheep, literally, of the family. Yeah. So look, so look, I'm looking at pro football uh, pff.com, right? And they've ranked the quarterbacks for this year. And it, this kind of gets back to the Mac Jones situation and why I'm concerned for the Patriots on a long-term situation. So I'm not going to take you through one, two, three, and four because that's not where Mac Jones is in the conversation. But let me start at like 15, right? We're getting on the second half, right? So we believe that Mac Jones is somewhere in the second half. So right now it's Geno Smith. Then Jared Goff, then Daniel Jones, then Justin Fields. We're now at 18. Ryan Tannehill at 19. Russell Wilson at 20. And then Mac Jones at 21. And so I, my question would be, and if you want to, some of the names behind Mac Jones, Kenny Pickett, Brock Purdy, Jimmy Garoppolo, Bryce Young, Jordan Love, Sam Howell, Baker Mayfield, C.J. Stroud, Desmond Ritter, Anthony Richardson. It can be very disastrous if there's a step back again, if he's failing behind any of those guys who are behind him, because clearly we would say every guy after Mac Jones is almost like an NBA, NBTA stop that you're like, you know what, they, they don't go there after 11. So 
I, I'm concerned that if it doesn't come to fruition that Mac Jones shows a, a level of improvement that is beyond just okay, that the franchise may not be okay at the quarterback position. You now have talks about what you're going to do with the head coach. Is the owner happy? And now you're looking at, okay, if this team isn't a playoff team again this year, two straight years. If they have a losing season again, two straight years, three out of the last four. Are we now looking at a, a potential like hard knocks is going to be like, can we get in there next year? Because this is a great story. It, it, are we almost at hard knocks level? Yeah. And I think if we made this list or if PFF made this list a year ago, Mac Jones would not be that low on it. No. Right? So, and that's the thing we've seen so much regression in just one year. And look, and I, I said this earlier in the show, I still think the major reason for that was the coaching situation. And, and I think that, now but, that but that, that is, and, be, and I'm right, not that, saying that, cause that, here's, what's weird. And, and, and I don't, and I'm not here to do a Bailey Zappy thing. But what just made last year seem so weird was how can a backup go in there and make two incompetent guys running the offense look semi-competent, but the person who's supposed to be the most competent person in the room, the quarterback, seemed to not get it done. Now, there was a little streak that Mac had towards the end where he did look good in the Minnesota game, but at some point it can't be you're looking good in losses. You have to look good in wins. This is what the franchise has been all about. This cannot become the modern-day Buffalo Bills of what the Buffalo Bills were during the Patriots' run as champions. So, I, like you said, you did this list the previous year. I would put him. I, I had him in Derek Carr level, right? I was like, you know, like if you ask me, who would I take, Mac Jones or Derek Carr, at the start of last year? Give me Mac Jones because I think there's more upside, better football acumen, a better quality ball, less prone to make mistakes in situations that can get hostile. But now after last year, you're like, wow, I've seen all those situations and didn't see a passing grade. If if this Patriots team struggles out the gate, would it be fair to hear rumblings about trying to switch it up a bit? No, I don't think so. Like I, I, I think Mac Jones is a much better player than Bailey Zappi. And I know you bring up the point where Bailey Zappi looked good. Yeah, he looked good against the Detroit Lions, who at the time were the worst defense in football, especially now, in against fairness, the in fairness to the defense, Lions. Blue. But here's the thing: the fairness to the Lions, their very last game was a chance to play for a playoff berth, right? So, yeah. so but at the they time they played the right. Patriots, they were so bad they fired their defensive backs coach after the game. So I, I, I think that's something like you got in that, and even in that game, the biggest play of the game was the Kyle Duggar fumble return touchdown. So, and I'm not telling you Zappy was bad; he was fine. But even that Chicago game, he had those two deep passes, the one to Myers, the one to Parker. And I remember thinking to myself after the one to Parker, wow, Mac Jones might actually be in trouble here. And then the rest of the game, he couldn't do anything against a Bears defense that wasn't very good. Well, so now, I, I just think that you know, so it was could exciting. That be the incompetent, could that be the incompetency that we talk about? Because you would say, okay, if it's incompetent for Mac Jones, it's incompetent for Bailey Zappi. Now, for anybody who thinks that I'm whole, you know, like Bailey Zappi waving a flag, no, that's not it at all. I want to see Mac Jones be successful. But if you start to see a lack of growth, then what do you do? What do you just, do you continue on the same path and not change anything? It's Even tough, for yeah. small? I, I just, look, I think, especially after the coaching situation they had last year, they're going to give Mac Jones pretty much, unless it's a, disaster, which I don't think it will be, he's going to have the whole year to play. And then you you could see, if let's say he has a bad year, then you could see in the offseason 
a decision where they draft a quarterback high or they try to get a veteran, they don't pick up that fifth-year option, whatever the case may be. I, I just don't – first of all, like I said, I don't see that happening, but I think it would take – in order for them to make a change, especially after what happened last year, it would have to take an absolute disaster. And you mentioned Zappi. Yeah, he played well at times against Detroit. I thought he did have a really good game against Cleveland. You could still say the best quarterback play the Patriots got was – Thanksgiving night against Minnesota, which was Mac Jones. Week 18 against Buffalo, which was Mac Jones. And the first half of the Baltimore game, which was Mac Jones in week three. So even despite as well as Zappi played at times, the best quarterback play you still got was not from him. Well, the other talk of now that DeAndre Hopkins is not here, we haven't really gotten into that too much, um, is that the the attention focused on Dalvin Cook. You heard Gresh mention it uh, from the clip we just played a couple of minutes ago. Um, it's gotten very interesting for Dalvin Cook because there's a report out uh, that on Thursday when a court filing was put in that Cook's lawyers offered his ex-girlfriend a million dollars to send a letter to the NFL, quote, relieving of Dalvin Cook of any wrongdoing in a connection in an incident of domestic violence against Cook. Uh, the court filing has now been sealed. Um, so it's amazing how these things get out and then they seal them. Um, according to the story and report, Tied uh, back to uh, Minneapolis Times. Um, the financial offer of $1 million came after Cook's lawyers had offered 800000 in exchange for an affidavit from the woman denying the claims of abuse. So this might be an answer to why Dalvin Cook is still out there. And, and the question you now have to ask, and this may be a very wise one, if you're Belichick, is do you want a guy's potential old problems be your new problems? Right, according to Boomer Esiason, Dalvin Cook still has a seven million dollar offer on the table for him to go back to the Vikings, where at least they know what they're dealing with. If you're Belichick, do you now stay away with this news that look, okay, they've tried to offer more money to kind of write a letter to say like, hey, I didn't do this stuff. Yeah, and I think KJ, uh, you could probably agree with me. Of the free agent running backs left, Cook's the best player. And yeah. Zeke Elliott's out there. Fournette's out there. The Patriots had Henderson in for a workout. As well, Dalvin Cook's better than all those guys. He he is the best available free agent running back. And he, look, if he has that offer from Minnesota, it's probably going to take, as Gresh said, that we played in the lead in, seven, eight million bucks to get him out of Minnesota. And I wonder, to your point, is there something there that teams are a little shy to do it? Because DeAndre Hopkins, I know it took him a while to sign, but he had interest pretty quickly. And it was from the Titans or from the Patriots. He didn't have league wide interest, but he had multiple teams interested pretty quickly. I feel like we haven't heard that with Dalvin Cook. And and part of it, and I know the big story right now, is the running back position being devalued. And I think it's that's true. The position has been devalued over the past 15 years and even more so over the past five years. But even still, he's by far, in my opinion, the best player at his position on the market right now. And it feels like he doesn't really have much interest, which makes you wonder – are teams concerned about something off the field, you know, beyond just his talent? Right. If you mentioned Ezekiel Elliott, you probably think that he's a guy that will end up returning to Dallas. The Saquon Barkley story is going to be very interesting because I think he sits out. Um, and with Josh Jacobs in Vegas, oh, if you're Josh McDaniels, you're thinking like, I need a running game. It's based on everything I need to do. So it's when you're a star running back like those two. Yeah, you might be. You might not see them show up for the first couple of weeks where they don't get fined until you start actually getting into game checks. 
And then you have to ask yourself, are these guys even game ready? So if they sit out for the first couple of games and then come back for week three, they may not be physically up to speed to be able to do it. And then it becomes a situation where, hey, they're on the roster, but you've got to go with the guy you've worked with during training camp training camp, to be your back. Um, to Dalvin Cook, I think this whole thing of – here's what I initially thought. I thought it was very weird for Minnesota to just jump off of that contract right after he rushed for over 1,100 yards, had eight touchdowns. They were in the playoffs last year. He, he really helps Kirk Cousins be able to get the ball downfield by his ability to run and to just let that go. And then the story with the court case and so forth – I thought initially before all the story came out on the 20th that Dalvin Cook was somehow looking to get some type of deal that would get him guaranteed money to get over the age of 30 threshold, right? Most running backs are not getting anything once they turn 30, that if someone was willing to give him something and he was able to turn to the age 31, then that might be something that he would go after. That's what I thought wasn't happening, but now I have to tend to lean towards why things have been so quiet to him about him is because these things that are coming out and some of the the stuff that's rearing its head from his past. So I think he probably ends back up in in, in Minnesota, but I, I think it really goes to the question of, and this goes back to Mac Jones, you've got to have a solid running game behind him in order to have any chance for the passing game to be successful for a line that's still trying to figure out who and what they are for the Patriots and a quarterback who's got to learn how to trust those guys to be able to get the ball downfield. So, Ramondre Stevenson can't do it all by himself, considering he was the leading rusher and receiver for the team last year. Yeah, and I think if you look at the Patriots' depth chart, Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris looked pretty good in a Monday night game against a bad Arizona team last year. And look, I think they're guys that have potential, but beyond that one night, we didn't really see much of them. My biggest memory of Pierre Strong outside of that Arizona game is his roughing the punter penalty on Thanksgiving night, which ultimately led to a Vikings touchdown. So there's the depth there is really thin. And Ty Montgomery, he's a nice change of pace back, but he missed most of last year with an injury. Right. So I think it's something that if you're the Patriots, you have a new offensive coordinator who I know has been there before, but he hasn't worked with any of these players. You have a new offensive line coach. You have multiple new players on your offense, whether it's Gasicki, Smith-Schuster, you're probably going to have a new right tackle this year. I don't think Connor McDermott's going to win that job. So you would want as strong a running game as you can. And in my opinion, yeah. Stevenson is a budding star. But I thought last year he broke down. And it felt like they just used him as a battering ram week after week after week. And it really culminated in him not being fully healthy at the end of the year. You remember that fumble on Christmas Eve against Cincinnati right. in the red zone. They might have won that game if not. So I think... Look, I still would have prioritized DeAndre Hopkins because just the passing game is more important now, but they could really use another piece at running back, and Cook is the best player, but if they have reservations about Cook for other reasons, like I still think either way they should add a body there, and not just a body, but someone who could at least be a number two or solid number three. Well, you even see kind of how the Patriots have played it, you know, to the vest. If you remember, Ramondre Stevenson, when he first got to the league and to the team, I think he was on the inactive list for like the first four weeks of the season. And then thank goodness he gets activated because you're we're starting to see we were starting to see the breakdown of Damian Harris, right? Yep. So as Damian Harris started to break down, you started to see the ascension of Ramondre Stevenson, where eventually Harris would take the the backup role or the second back role, but your second back role is still from a guy who's given you a thousand yards within the last couple of years. And even I think the year before it was like seven hundred yards with the mix of injuries in there. So you probably have to think 
You need to get a back in there that can get you probably 700 yards on the ground and probably even some catching as well behind Stevenson. So that way with a one-two punch, you can probably have a combination of 1,500, 1,600 yards on the ground. And then that makes the passing game, I think, a lot more effective for the Patriots because you have to clearly respect the run on both sides of whoever is in there. Belichick will start either guy. It doesn't matter depending on what the game plan is. Sometimes you would see Stevenson would not start the game, even though he was the bell cow, and you would start off with Harris and vice versa. So I, I'm with you. You definitely need somebody else in there that I think is more than just another body, but somebody who still can give you something. I know Leonard Fournette, and that's been a conversation. I think that's a, a little bit of duplication because you'd want to see maybe some speed along with the power, but two power guys. I mean, maybe even Kareem Hunt. I don't know what the situation is with him. They may be still looking at some of the issues that were going on in his past. I find it very odd for him to not be a second-back option. It's still early, but I think he would be somewhat ideal where you can get speed and some power. But there needs to be someone else back there with Ramondre Stevenson that's carried in the NFL considerably, and teams have to say, hey, this person still has some pop. You need to watch out for them. Yeah, and to your point, in Ramondre Stevenson's rookie year behind Harris, he had 600 rushing yards. So, go. I mean, it was something that he's been that guy. And we even heard reports earlier this offseason going into the draft that the Patriots really liked B. John Robinson. They liked Jameer Gibbs. And thankfully, they drafted Christian Gonzalez in the first round. But right. I think the fact that they were even linked to those guys tells me that hey, they might like Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris, but there's uncertainty there. Those guys are mid-round picks who, again, had one good game, and other than that, didn't do that much for them last season. Can one of those guys take that next step and be a six or 700-yard rusher, which I think, to your point, would be a great thing for this offense? They're going to need, like this offense, to me, it's going to be heavy two tight end, and Mike Kosicki, yep. I know, is like a flex slot tight end, but he's at heavy two tight end. They're going to want to run the ball, and you need more, and as good as Stevenson is, you need another guy you can depend on. And if they go into training camp and Pierre Strong has a good camp or Kevin Harris has a really good camp, great. But even those guys, like Kevin Harris is not a guy you worry about coming out of the backfield. So then you still need Ty Montgomery to be healthy or Pierre Strong right. to help you out of the back. Whereas a guy like Fournette, even a little bit Fournette, but more so a guy like Cook or even Elliott, okay, they can come out of the backfield and they can catch the ball. And they right. can do it at a serviceable and really beyond serviceable level catching the ball, and they're good runners. And I think if that's what you're going to invest your money in early in training camp, again, I think it can only help the offense, and it'll help Stevenson too because the fresher Stevenson is, down the, he's gonna, he'll probably put up just as good, if not better, numbers because he's going to be in a flat-out better offense with Bill O'Brien. Their passing game will be better. And if he has a better running mate to go with him, it'll probably benefit him just as much as it does the team as a whole. Well, I think it goes to the narrative that's the devaluing of the running back. And if you would say, hey, here's a Patriots team that's known not to spend, but yet would be willing to kind of spend a little bit, I think, for running back, for a second running back, that won't cost them a lot. And the reason why I say that is because as long as you still have Stevenson on his rookie deal, you have to get you have to match up small a little bit larger sum of money when you know that you're spending the least virtual possible money that you can for an, an all pro type running back in Stevenson. So I wonder if this fits more into the wheelhouse. You, you say obviously you, you were saying, John, that D Hop would have been the better option. I, I think that a second running back would be a better option because at least you can now get Mac back to his rookie season 
and get a restart versus potentially getting Mack into a situation where he gets locked on a receiver, the same receiver that defenses get locked on when they're preparing. So, again, like I don't want to throw Tyquan Thornton out. I mean, you, you got a second-rounder who's one of the fastest guys in the league. These, these players still have to develop. I think Juju Smith-Schuster in there is going to help as well in terms of picking up the slack of where Jacoby Myers was. Um, but I do understand getting the deep threat down the field, but if you're on your back quick because the offensive line can't keep you up, it doesn't matter how far you run down. But if you've got that running game, you can get back to the play action, which they got away from last year. And that is because of the incompetence of who was overlooking the offense. Now, with the one-two back punch, you can't you can't say, hey, okay, Stevenson's in there, so it's definitely a run. Or let's just say, I mean, Dalvin Cook, let's just say he's somebody that is in the mix. Now you've probably got the best one-two duo of running backs in the league, you would have to say. And if that's the case, then now you're looking at ball possession. Now you're not looking at an offense that's going to potentially be 28th again in time of possession or moving, you know, field position and stuff like that. So I I think the running game has to be addressed with the second runner just so that way you can get Mac to a, a clear reset and then see what he can do. Because, again, I don't think you have horrible receivers out there. I think he's just had horrible time trying to deliver the ball. Yeah, and you're – I think you make a good point. And how bad was Isaiah Wynn last year, right, in their protection protection <laughs> schemes? He was under pressure all the time, Mac Jones was. And I think a real telling thing is while this offer for DeAndre Hopkins was hanging out there, they gave Devontae Parker an extension. And I know right. at the time some people were like, oh, maybe that's creating cap room for DeAndre Hopkins. Well, I think that told us they like what they have. And, and you can agree, you can disagree. They are confident that in what they have in that receiver room. And I think, look, is it an A plus receiver room? No. Is it an A minus receiver room? No. But is it a solid B to maybe B plus if they all hit their ceiling receiver room? Sure. And then it's all of a sudden you feel a lot better about what you have. And I think it, to me it's tough because people look at how bad their offense was last year and how frustrating their passing game was. It's going to be a lot better just by nature of who's running the offense now. And you, is, you that gonna, is that right? You, and is that going to lead to a better season from Devontae Parker? Is Kendrick Bourne, a guy who had 800 yards receiving in 2021, going to be much closer to that than what he was last year? So I, I think that's where is Juju Smith-Schuster, a guy who's really good after the catch. Is that going to be a piece that, as much as we like Jacoby Myers, actually makes the offense a little bit more explosive? Like I don't think anybody's looking at this where – this passing game is going to be a top five passing game or they're going to be top 10 in points per game like they were in 2021. But I think it's going to be a lot better. And I think the Patriots feel that way because I think their offseason has essentially told us that the biggest offseason moves they made was they swapped out Smith Schuster for Myers. They added Gasicki and some tackle depth on offense. And then if but, you want to throw the Parker extension there too, but it's not like they've made seismic moves on offense outside of the coaching staff. Well, I think if you're going to try and get away with having a B passing game, B receiver core, you're going to have to have an A running game. I think that's the only way you can get away with that. And I think, too, when you look at over the 20 years that they've had their operation going, the Belichick operation, when they've been good, yeah, they had Tom Brady. They always had some sort of A or A-plus level weapon 
on offense. I mean, they Rob Gronkowski, Julian Edelman, they had Randy Moss for years, Corey Aaron, Dillon. Aaron Hernandez. Yeah, Corey Dillon set the team rushing record in 2004. Right. Deion Branch was a Super Bowl MVP. Heck, even 2001, when their offense was not, you know, what you would characterize as a Tom Brady offense, you, you Troy Brown put, had 101 catches that you year. You could even put James so, White in there as a third James down White, back. Shane as Green an, as, right, as, as a... A third down backs to, to assist with the passing game. All right, look, we'll come back here in a second. It's KJ along with John Lyons here on WEEI, 617-779-7937. Text line 37937. We'll take you up to Red Sox pregame against the Mets at 610. Thank you so much for spending your Saturday and hanging out. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Tacovis is a terrific boot brand, and they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots. But they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. As someone who tries to pursue a minimalist lifestyle, I highly value quality over quantity. And I'm telling you, you can't find a higher quality boot than Tacovis. Their Western boots for men and women are handmade. Handmade from the most premium leathers with over 200 time-honored individual steps. Also, did I mention that they are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, and handmade down in the boot-making capital of the world, Leon, Mexico? And also, if you've ever wondered if you can pull off cowboy boots, which is something that I was thinking, you should pull on a pair of Tacovas and you'll see. Just do a quick search for Tacovas on social media and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit tacovas.com, that's T E C O V A S.com, and point your toes west. We're back. It's KJ Carson on WEEI. Download the Odyssey app and listen on demand anytime. Yeah! Turn it up, Stiz! KJWEE, I got my man John Lyons with me here. 617-779-7937. Text line 37937. Oh, Grand Funk, so underrated. Let's go to Alex in Cambridge talking Mac Jones. Thank you so much for calling WEEI as we get into the championship portion of the show. <laughs> All right, let's go to Steve in Fall River on Mac Jones. Yeah. 
How are you guys? Steve, go ahead. You're on the air. Can you hear me, gentlemen? Yeah. All right. This a, this B for the receiver room is not is not a good is not a good quantifier. Means nothing. How is that receiver core in the division? About last place. Where is that receiving core for the Patriots in the NFL? Twenty five to thirty two. I can't be wrong there, could I? Well, Probably here's the other closer to thirty two, maybe. Well, Steve, here's the other side of that. Thanks for the call. And John, you would agree with me, I think, on this is okay. But the Patriots still have one of the better defenses in the league. Yeah, and look, <laughs> me saying it's a B receiver core also, like, there's a big difference between being a B receiver core and an A receiver core. Steve's right. Yeah. You look around in their division, Miami might have the best receiver combo in the entire NFL. Garrett yeah. Wilson, look, I think the Jets receiver core is thin, but Garrett Wilson is, I mean, a rookie of the year level player last year. And then in Buffalo, they have Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis. I mean, that's a nice, and I know Gabe Davis has been inconsistent over the last couple of years, but when he's good, he's great. So I, I think, look, I understand that their receiver core is probably the weakest in the AFCs, but does it totally stink? Like, I don't think so. Like, is it at 32nd, like Steve was saying? No, I think that's ludicrous. I think the place DeAndre Hopkins just went in Tennessee had a much worse receiver core than the Patriots, which is also maybe part of the reason he went there because they'll just throw him the ball 115 times this year. But, look, I, I think their defense, I, I think it's going to be a top five, maybe top seven at worst unit in the NFL. I mean, you look back last year, number one in weighted DVOA if you're into that sort of stuff, but if you're into just regular human being stats, third in P- sacks. Did you say number one in POV? No, I'm totally kidding. Yeah, no, not quite. <laughs> uh, they were third in sacks, second in takeaways, 11th in points per game. And the other thing, too, and this is how it relates to, and you mentioned time of possession, KJ, in the last segment, and you were so right. The Patriots' defense was on the field for an average of 31-24 a game, which was the fifth most in the NFL. They were out right. there, and part of that is their third-down defense was inconsistent, and that's on them. But when your offense is constantly going three and out or turning the ball over all the time, you get put in bad spots. And we saw how many turnovers the Patriots' defense created. We saw, they, I think, a franchise record in touchdowns scored. So I think you take the defense they had last year, you subtract Devin McCourty, that's a big loss but then you add in another year for a lot of the younger players. Kyle Duggar, I think, is going to have a great year, but you add in a Christian Gonzalez who's going to start week one. I think this defense has a real chance to be a top-five unit, and I think top-seven at worst, which will only help the offense we were talking about earlier. Well, this goes back to my argument about the running game. The Patriots, and and this is what we talk about, how the special people think the special teams are all off last year. That's really not true. They were number two in the league in terms of field possession for average start. You know, only Cincinnati was better in terms of starting field position. So the Patriots' special teams on kickoff returns, because there was a lot of them, <laughs> yeah. they, were, they were setting up the offense with great field position to start. They were, I think, time of possession averaged like 2 minutes, 34 seconds. So, oh, Stiz got to remind you, 04, not 54. <laughs> oh, you are right. Thank there, thank God. Wow. There you go. That was a little I just it, looked it, at the it, clock, KJ, and I was like, oh my God, I totally let time look, escape. Me. You're you're not the only one who's probably ready for me to get off the deck on air. <laughs> no, yeah, maybe is that a good sign? My second time here, he starts playing the music ten minutes early. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, well, usually usually I, that's never good because it's yeah. almost like an, an award ceremony where it's yeah. like, Okay, shut up, get off the air. Am I gonna get a text that just says please don't come back? You know, when I get <laughs> No, home, no, I, no, I, no. There's a lot more things that you'd have to do. I mean okay. I can take we can tell you off the air what not to do, especially if COVID ever comes back like deep again. There's one particular thing you just don't. You know what? I will have my notebook ready for that for sure. So, yeah. So, so, so we have nine more minutes or so. We said. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So right. it's not going to be like super leave hardcore yet. stuff. Yeah. No, you don't have to. We're not leaving yet. But I think the idea is this: what the Patriots is. 
you've got to maintain ball possession, time of possession, give your defense some type of breathers, because the last thing you want to do is put your helmet down and pick it right back up. Eventually, especially with this defense being younger, as you mentioned, with no Devin McCourty back there, who you can kind of tell all the he knows what all the other ten guys could do need to do better than probably what they're going to do. Now you're depending on a youth movement that is learned from some of these older guys. As you mentioned, some of these younger guys like Duggar stepping up into situations where they're going to be the leadership. What's going to help them? Time of possession, ball control. That's why it may be frustrating. Like I would rather see the six- and seven-minute drives, and if they end up in field goals, then at least that gives me an, uh, a chance to say, hey, the Patriots' defense has a better chance of getting their offense off the team, no matter who the offense is, than the Patriots are of doing quick flash scoring, scoring on three plays. They're not designed that way. Yeah, so, I think we saw a good example of that, just to go back last year, Baltimore week three. The Patriots are down 31-26. Two separate times had the ball turned it over both times. Eventually, Baltimore scores again to put the game out of reach. Like, if the Patriots, like, one huge thing here, KJ, and we yeah. haven't really touched on it yet, they just got to finish drives. I mean, 27th in the league on third down, last in the league in red zone touchdown percentage. If they just finish drives, to your point, whether it's you have a six- or seven-minute drive that ends in a field goal instead of going three and out, or you score a touchdown instead of settling for a field goal like you did so many times last year, just finishing drives is going to help the time of possession number, and it's going to help the obvious thing, which is the score, which is going to help a younger defense with some younger pieces even more so. Like, they just... They could not finish drives consistent, and all these things. And then they would make special teams mistakes left and right. And their kickoff return average, like you said, the starting field position was pretty good. But then they made so many other mistakes on special teams that hurt them. So even though their defense was a really good unit, it was overtaxed all year. Yeah, and I, I think the other part, if there is there a concern for the defense for the Patriots, it's going to be against mobile quarterbacks like what happened with Justin Fields last year. That's where my concern does, like the game in Germany against Anthony Richardson, may be a cautionary tale. You you know, once you get to that point, that's why I said that's one of those games like, oh, Colts are horrible. But it's like, well, wait a minute. (laughs) Weren't the Bears horrible last year? But when they get one of those wins, it seems to be more painful for the team that loses. So there's very little room for error for the Patriots, especially the first four weeks are brutal. Yeah, they have a lot of, to your point, they've had trouble one thing Bill Belichick defenses have had trouble with over really 20 years now, really good mobile quarterbacks that can throw. And you look at their schedule, they have Jalen Hurts, they have Tua twice, presumably if he stays healthy, Josh Allen twice, Dak. I mean, all these, you mentioned Anthony Richardson, even Patrick Mahomes, and if Russell Wilson is competent this year, he was a shell of himself last year, but all guys that are good passers or have been, but can also move well with their legs. So I think that's something that, and I wonder if, the Patriots have, over the last couple of years, tried to get more and more athletic on their defense, whether it's right. Marcus Jones, Marte Mapu, the the Judon signing, Christian Barrett, like guys who are good players but also just have great athletic traits. Jonathan Jones, they re-signed him to a third contract, which they don't do for a lot of guys. I think right. maybe that's something that they're going to try to say, hey, we're just going to put a bunch of athletes on the field. We Kyle Duggar's the best athlete on the field, and he's on our defense, and that's how we're going to stop the mobile quarterbacks because it is something that – it's just been a problem for them year. And look, not many teams defend those guys well. They're great players. But it has been a problem for them for for them to try to combat that. Yeah, I think it's the only way they can answer it because you look at week one, Hurts, mobility. Yep. Tua, mobility. The Jets are a totally different situation where, think about it, you, you probably had a more mobile Zach Wilson, but you have a better quarterback acumen 
in in, in Aaron Rodgers. So the Jets are a different game plan. And, and then with the Cowboys, I think because of Mike McCartney going McCartney going back to probably a run first game is going to make Dak Prescott potentially dangerous with his legs in key third down situations, and that's your first four weeks. Yeah. So you're you're talking about okay, if if Tua wasn't up to up to speed, depending on what happens to him in week one, right? Week two could suddenly be a totally different player. But last year, if you remember, it was like, okay, in week two, it was Mitch Trubisky. So, you know, this year it's a bit different, and it seems like the league, when they put out this schedule, they have no they have no sympathy for the Patriots having a losing record last year because this is one of the toughest schedules in the league, and I think they're really trying to set him up for, for, for hard knocks. And, and a guy that I didn't even <laughs> mention who I don't think he's that good, but Daniel Jones is a really mobile quarterback right, and, and right. plays well in the runs. Like, there's... You look at this schedule, it's a ton of athletic quarterbacks that can also not just run for 15, 20 yards a pop, but they can make throws on the run and scoring plays on the run. And I think that's something that the Patriots defense, again, I think they're going to be a top five, top seven at worst unit, but they have to have a handle on defending mobile quarterbacks because if there's one thing that could really hurt them, I think that's what it would be. All right, before we get out of here, John, have you had a chance to check out Netflix quarterback? So I'll be honest with you, KJ, I was sharing a Netflix password with someone and then they cracked oh, down no. on it and I do not have Netflix. Oh, I'm calling the police. Oh, well, no, I, I can't. KJ and I are I calling the police. It. You know, I, I was a good citizen when they asked me not to do it anymore. I stopped. So I have not seen it. Uh, I will eventually probably somehow, some way seen it. I might have to get a Netflix trial for Swamp Kings next month. I got to hear well, about well, that. Well, I'll tell you what. If you Florida Gators team. He, here's the preview for, for QB on, on a quarterback on Netflix. Play it. Stitch. Let's go upstairs now and read, okay? Why does the NFL have so many rules against hitting quarterbacks? A quarterback throwing a pass is wide open for dangerous hits. An injury to the quarterback can sink a team's entire season. I'm going to take you out here. No. All right, you can kill it still. All right, so, so John, I probably have to tell you about it. Well, you know who it involves, right? Yeah, and and one thing that I do remember, if you want a Patriots angle here, and I did read this, is that Kirk Cousins, when they were game planning for the Patriots, said, oh, yeah, they'll try to play a bunch of man coverage, but we're just better. Wait, don't tell me because I haven't watched the whole thing. I mean, I have a legit password. You you watched it? No, I haven't watched the whole thing. You're the guy with the password It's a shared experience, right? Like, if you're giving away passwords, I'm at least going to share a little bit of experience. I don't want to spoil it for everybody else. But if you've seen it, Kind of on the bootleg password. Who do you marry, kill, or yeah, out of Mahomes, Cousins, and uh, Mariota uh, on this on this? Show? Oh, I'll marry Mahomes and just kill the other two. So if, that, <laughs> if that's okay uh, with you, and no offense to them and their families, of course. But uh, look, I think Kirk Cousins to me, it, I, I, the word fraud comes to mind to me. When is this guy going to win in a high leverage situation? Well, I mean, the dude he won is one always playoff in pain. games in New, in New Orleans. <laughs> He won one playoff game in New Orleans. Great win. But, I mean, when is this guy going to win? Look, high- now that I say that, he's going to you know go to the Super Bowl this year. I believe. Tell me to suck it right on air. After this season, Mac Jones is going to be in that Mariota spot oh, next year for heart, quarterback. Man. I seriously believe it. All right. The Real John Lines, no H and John, at Twitter, at KJ Carson, at WEEI. Red Sox Mets pregame at 610 and then first pitch at 710. Have a great Saturday night. I'll talk to you again for KJ and Don Darrow. Get your tapes ready, kids. Uh, it'll be fun tomorrow at 2 p.m.
See ya. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.